the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We're here to support your company and your employees now and in the future. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Inside Business podcast. I'm Laura Slattery and on the show this week we'll be discussing allegations made about the sale of NAMA loans in Northern Ireland. Project Eagle was the name the State Assets Agency gave to the process of offloading its assets in the north. But the Eagle has now landed somewhere a little bit awkward following claims about corrupt payments involving a prominent politician. Parliamentary inquiries now beckon, but here to talk us through the story today are Irish Times business editor John McManus, Jerry Moriarty, who is our Northern Ireland editor, and business journalist Barry O'Halloran, who has also been reporting on the story for us. Barry, for anyone who hasn't been following this news, can you take us through what we've learned so far? Okay, well, uh, seven million sterling was transferred from a Belfast law firm called Tuins, which advised Cerberus, the successful bidder, um, to the Isle of Man. Uh, In the wake of that uh, discovery, Tuins' managing partner, a guy called Ian Coulter, resigned, and the Northern Ireland Law Society, which regulates solicitors up in, in the north, began an investigation. Um, it subsequently emerged then that uh, another bidder, PIMCO, who was also a, a, a US company, had dropped out of the process in March 2014 after telling NAMA that it had had dealings with a former NAMA advisory committee member called Frank Cushnahan, who had sought money for from PIMCO for aiding or working on its bid. We're, we're, you know, we're not entirely sure of the actual mechanics of that, but we know that he sought money from PIMCO. PIMCO told NAMA and PIMCO then left the process. Um, Kushnan was linked to Tuins. He had a he ha- had an office in their their Belfast HQ. He had li- he he was also connected to Coulter personally, I believe, and he frequently referred business to Tuins, but did not actually work for it. This he had some form of arrangement, but he wasn't an employee. Um, Cerberus, de- Cerberus, the successful bidder, subsequently hired Bronan Rudnick. Um, a US law firm which had had consultations with PIMCO and which had been instrumental in introducing PIMCO to Tuins and Tuins to advise on its bid. NAMA appeared to be quite happy with the fact that Brown and Rudnick and Tuins, both of whom were, had been involved with PIMCO, um, were now working for Cerberus and they allowed that bid to go ahead, albeit by first seeking uh, assurances from Cerberus, Tuins and Brown and Rudnick that nobody with any connection whatsoever to NAMA um, had worked or was advising them on their bid. That's pretty much where it stands, barring the fact that what we don't know is who exactly the seven million in the Isle of Man was destined for or where that was supposed to be going. So um, what has PIMCO said about that this week and uh, what does NAMA say? Okay, well, there's there's a there, there's a there's a, f- a clear conflict, if you like, between NAMA and PIMCO. NAMA are saying, well, once PIMCO told us our board considered it, and three days later we said to PIMCO, "Look, you either have to drop out of this process, um, or we'll tell you to leave the process." PIMCO are saying, "Actually, that's not what happened at all. We went to NAMA, we told NAMA what happened, and we exited the process of our own volition." So, I mean, there's there, there's obviously a clear contradiction on, on both mm-hmm. sides. What we do know is that PIMCO left, having told NAMA about the fact that a, a former person, a, a person formerly connected to the agency, had sought money from PIMCO. 
And now Cerberus are the ones who eventually did the deal with Nama. So what's their position? Their position is that they are purer than the driven snow, that they did everything by the book. They did everything right. Um, there is nobody from Nama, past, present or future, if you like, involved in their bid. And that their bid was successful because it was the, the highest. They, they effectively delivered the, the best value to the Irish state and to its taxpayers. Okay, um, Jerry Mar- Mar- Mariarty coming to you. Um, what has the reaction been to this in, in Stormont this week? Uh, quite a degree of uh, astonishment, I have to say. Uh, I suppose the South is used to its scandals and its inquiries, but we haven't had, had so many. And we're talking about very serious money. The fact that the portfolio you know, was originally valued at £4.5 billion and sold for less than £1.3 when you're talking about a potential corrupt pay- payment of £7 million. So it has caused great interest and stirred a lot of political reaction. And it has led to uh, uh, Dahi Mackay, he's the Sinn Féin chairman of the Northern Ireland Assembly, uh, Assembly Finance Committee, to call a meeting, uh, an emergency meeting of that uh, body, which was held yesterday. And they go- have now decided to initiate an inquiry, which they're hoping will begin next week. And they're hoping to speak to some of the central players to this whole story that was outlined, that uh, Barry just uh, outlined, and uh, they hope to start talking to the players next week. They want to speak to people like Mick Wallace because he, he first of all, made the central allegation that a, a Northern Ireland politician or political party was destined to receive the £7 million. They want to speak to uh, Frank Cushnan to find out about his involvement in the uh, in in the affair and whether he was involved in uh, soliciting money. They want to speak to the Law Society of Ireland of uh, Northern Ireland. They want to speak to Ian Coulter, uh, who lost, uh, who was the, the former uh, managing partner in Tuhans and in, in whose Isle of Man account the seven million pound was found resting. And they want to speak to Cerberus, uh, Cerberus and, and Pimco, and I expect, and to Tuhans, and they'll want to speak to a number of Northern Ireland politicians as well. So that's sort of where we are on the political front. It's a developing story. And in the South as well, there's a, you have the Public Accounts Committee taking an interest. So there will be a big concentration. Uh, so, But now we have to establish if these people will actually come up to appear before the committee. And we have to establish, you know, Will what they tell the, the, the two committees actually help establish the truth? At the moment, it's still pretty grey. Because it is quite a long line of people that the Assembly Finance Committee wants to interview, isn't it? And, and, and they can't compel people to attend, is that, is that right? No, um, Dr McKay, the chairman, said at the meeting yesterday that they have powers of compulsion. They would prefer to do it uh, by request. Um, but he had said, said if people refuse to um, agree to appear before the committee, they may exercise those powers of compulsion. Now, I imagine that if that if it comes to that, that that it, that could be played out in the courts. I'm not sure what uh, you know what, how they could insist that Mick Wallace from the south would uh, come up from a, a different jurisdiction. But again, that could be played out in the courts. But Certainly in terms, you know, if, if for whatever about the business people, whatever like the likes of Ian Coulter or Frank Cushnan, I would imagine that any you know, politicians who have, you know, who, are, who may be uh, involved, that if they're asked to, to give evidence, it wouldn't look well if they didn't. At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. 
they don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you. With our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always-on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704-1845. Visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information source for Irish Life September 2014. Okay, so the mood is one of determination, would you say, to get to the bottom of this? There is determination, but in terms of the story, Mick Wallace has made a central allegation that a politician received £7 million, or was intended to receive £7 million. Um, there is some stuff out on the web that, that, you know, if you were to report, would land you very quickly uh, in the in the libel courts. But other than that, you know, there there is no smoking gun. There is no irrefutable evidence so far that points it at a particular politician. And that's that's where the problem is. The story goes so far in relation to Ian Coulter and the Money in the Isle of Man account and Frank Kushner and Tuhans and Cerberus and, and, and Pimco. But to make that leap to uh, a corrupt politician is the problem. And that sort of hinges on whether Mick Wallace, as he said he may do, whether he will provide this additional evidence that he, that he, he says that he has. Uh, so, fo- so far, he hasn't. So uh, a lot hinges on, Mick, Mick, on what Mick Wallace does next. And we're still waiting to see. And, you know, with, with Mick Wallace, you're, you're never quite sure what you're going to get. Okay, thanks very much, Jerry. Uh, John, um, what does uh, what Mick Wallace has said and what PIMCO has said tell us about corporate governance at NAMA? Well, I think NAMA is, is um, in a, a trickier situation than they might let on. I mean, they, they would have us believe that, that they're some sort of innocent bystander in some local difficulty in the north. But um, if you actually go through the, the chain of events... NAMA were in a were selling a loan portfolio. They had a preferred bidder. That preferred bidder came to them, and as Barry was saying, it's unclear who did what when. But the upshot of it was, Pimco left because uh, they had basically been asked to make a corrupt payment or pay a bribe in the north, and uh, they named the individuals involved and and the law firm involved. NAMA then proceeded to talk to the next bidder who came along, Cerebus, and in the middle of Cerebus's bid, the same individuals popped up the same law firm, the same guys. Now, now we're obviously alive to this, hence, as Barry said, they they sought a, a written uh, confirmation from Cerebus that they hadn't made any payments to anybody, any people connected with um, with um, NAMA. And the question is, though, is that really good enough? I mean, does that constitute rigorous corporate governance? I mean, uh, or is that just backside covering? Uh, and uh, it, it, it seems a bit... Uh, bit closer to the latter, in, in my opinion, than, you know, you, you, you have very strong reason to believe there's, some, that there's somebody involved in this bid who's corrupt, and they crop up in the next bid, and you still go ahead, but you get a letter saying, you know, yeah, you've done everything okay, have you? I mean, it's, it's, it seems a little... Because I suppose what people will start to say now is that, if is this typical of how NAMA has gone about its other deals? I mean, I know that we, we know there isn't any other specific, I guess, uh, allegations of a, of a similar nature, nature, but, you know, that there could be a sort of bit, bit more scrutiny on how it's gone about. 
particular well, transactions? Well, one very uh, uh, pertinent question is um, what other deals did Nama do in the north that these two, uh, these individuals were involved in? Uh, I mean, I think that's that's a question that Nama yet are not very keen, haven't really been too open about up until this point. And uh, I, I think it raises a more general question about, about Nama's corporate governance, which has been the subject of a great deal of debate, uh, certainly from the beginning, because of the, the obvious huge conflicts they were having to wrestle with. Uh, and I think most people uh, would say they did a very good job of of managing them, bar one or two kind of um, uh, issues. Uh, but now this is a very big deal. It seems like a, a, a very, very, if it's if it all turns out to be what it seems, it's a it's very serious uh, level of corruption. And the question is whether NAMA, as it's getting one, possi- one question you could legitimately ask is, as NAMA's coming to the end of the road, it's meant to be wrapped up in a couple of years. Is it getting a bit sloppy? Is it just, does it just want to get these things done now? And uh, maybe it should have been a bit more rigorous about the, the corporate governance around this sale after the, after the alarm bells rung by PIMCO. Okay, because, I mean, this is about NAMA's legacy in, in a way and whether or not, you know, deals stand up to, to not just uh, our attention here in the media, but but potential uh, litigation, I guess. It, it could be very damaging because uh, it suddenly means that people who question the corporate governance of other deals that NAMA's been involved in... Um, their case is bolstered by this. And then there's maybe very specific legal difficulties for them around this because if you were one of the other bidders and um, you 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 were unsuccessful, uh, but the person who was successful uh, was was involved with someone who you now already knew was, was, was seeking corrupt payments, you know, I, I'm no lawyer, but I think you've, this, you've the basis of something there, don't you? Barry, um, if you were a betting man, uh, where would you say this story will, will go next? Um, I am a betting man, Laura, and that's a proposition upon which I wouldn't risk one red cent because we, we I don't think we know. Um, there's th- th- there's a couple of things out there in the ether. Some of the and, and you know Jerry said that some of the stuff that's out there is, is is libelous and it's probably libelous because it's plain wrong. But there's a couple of of things there that's been suggested that more than one politician may have been involved. Um, it's also been suggested that uh, another politician is responsible for for uh, raising the flag on this whole thing because they saw some political gain in landing their their rivals or maybe not rivals if you like uh, in the soup through all of this so there's there there is some very very murky things going on uh, first of all i think nama has to answer more like john i believe that nama has a lot more questions to answer around um how they handle the whole thing with Cerberus. To be bluntly honest, were I in Nama's shoes, I would have said, look, just go off and find someone else to advise you because we can't deal with these people. Or if you want to have these people on board, you can't progress with the bid. And I think that would just have been the only way the, the only way to deal with that. Um, I think Nama is going to have an awful lot of difficulty fighting back from this. I, think, I don't think they've come out of this looking very well at all. I'd love to know if there were other deals that involved the likes of Tuans in the north or even down here um, and I think that's the, the, the first question we need to be asking Nama. The other thing is we finally need to find out you know, look, for whom was this money intended? For whom was it destined? Um, was it just um, you know, was it just Coulter and Cushion and were there more people involved? Um, and uh, like for what, what, purposes, what, what purpose was the money going to serve? You know was it there for a kind of a long was it was it a kind of a long term slush fund or was it you know a cake that everyone was just going to simply slice up and walk away with? There's a whole lot of things that are still there, and um, I just wouldn't want to bet on any kind of outcome. 
Okay. Well, we know there has been a, an appeal for anyone with information uh, about corrupt payments to pass it on to the PSNI or the Garda Síochána. So perhaps uh, more revelations will emerge in the future. Um, for the moment, that's it. My thanks to Jerry, to John, and to Barry. Um, that's it for this edition of the Irish Times Inside Business podcast. I'm um, Laura Slattery. My thanks to sound engineer JJ Vernon and um, Inside Business is produced by Sinead O'Shea. Just a reminder that you can find all our business stories, interviews and analysis on irishtimes.com forward slash business and on our various apps. Until next week, goodbye.